All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me, 100. I was just brooding in the dark, thinking about that uh, past weekend of League of Legends action, or lack thereof. It's been uh, it's been a little rough, a little rough. Did not have the showing we wanted against FlyQuest. That's all right. We can bounce back against Golden Guardians. Easy dubs. Turns out that was not the case. Unexpectedly, Hundred Thieves LCS season is done. Their spring is done. We won't hear from this team until the summer. And this is officially the last uh, post-game coverage provided by Undertalk, which is especially sad since Jordan is not here tonight. I'll turn on his NFT in his honor. There we go. <clears throat> um, Jordan is in London right now uh, for work, so please excuse him. But... Uh, I am still here to talk with you guys tonight. We're bringing back Keep It 100, where we go through your calls, your takes, have a little conversation about how you felt about this season, about these games, whatever's on your mind, 100 Thieves related. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Um, want to say thank you to Elgato, of course, for all of their support throughout the years and for Rip It as well. Drinking a red zone tonight. It's the strawberry flavor. We'll crack that open here. Not doing ASMR tonight, but um I think we've got um some callers lined up, but basically how it's gonna work, I'm gonna put the Discord link in the Twitch chat. Um and I'll toss it over in the YouTube in case anyone is there too. Hop into our Discord if you're not in there already. Um, there is near the top, there's a channel under podcast call-in called Topics Here. Drop your takes in there if you want to come on the show, and then um, you can get in the waiting room and deafen yourself. Um, and then just kind of hang out. I'll give you guys a heads up on stream when I'm about to pull someone to talk, and we'll go through your take. Um, we've got uh, a few in the tubes already, so that's good. I want to start off with uh, Sen tonight, so we'll get Sen ready here in a second. I'm praying and hoping that uh, the Discord bot that ChatGPT put together for me to uh, update the caller names on stream will work. So we're gonna we're gonna give that a try. But uh, looking forward to talking to you guys tonight. Please don't be afraid if you, especially if you've never called in before, go ahead and uh, you know put your name in the hat. Come say something that's on your mind, but please do talking to you, Sandwich and Biddy. Please do keep the topics here channel as clear as you possibly can, so that I don't have to sit there and read through your stuff on uh, on stream while we go to pull somebody. So, getting ready to do this, Joel. Thank you for the Twitch Prime. Um, let's do this. I'm gonna pull Sen in here. And switch on over. And hopefully. There you go. Sen, welcome, welcome. How are you, man? I am great. Are you great? 
after this weekend? Uh, I mean, today was a good day for me personally, but not for under these, obviously. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, what do you want to? I have so I have three small takes. Okay, I want to talk about. To I definitely want to start with number one on there. So okay. let's go there. Let's see where it takes us for the uh, the other two topics. Okay, so for my first one, so for the podcast, I am saying my first take is our champion pool is a disaster. And what <laughs> I mean by that is if there was a reoccurring theme for our games, we had one person who was the most impactful, I would say, when it came to picking a champion. Like on, um, on our side, you mean? On our side, yes. Um, and in my in my case, it, uh, in my for my take, that would be closer. Um, it always seemed like if you had him on a carry, we win the games. But if you have him on a support jungler or someone who sets up the team, we we falter. Um, and that might have a lot of various reasons to why. Um, but I think that his champion pool. Somewhat hurt us in the end because obviously, in the playoffs, what were the the two most banned champions against us? Viego and Leeson. Uh, and then usually and what happens is, and <laughs> but I'll get to that later. Yeah, okay. But uh, what that happened was uh, the only junglers he could play is either Vi or Wukong. And usually, when we, I think, were was red side. If we're red side, then the uh, other team will pick Wukong. Yeah. So we're left with playing Vi. And we did not see Sedge. We did not see Jarvan at all. Right? So that's my one thing about the champion pool. However, I do see where people can give a counter argument, and I kind of agree, is that we have two vets on our team. We have Bjergsen, and we have Double Lift. Uh, Bjergsen was considered, at least back in the day, as one of the greatest mids in LCS. So his champion pool should be pretty wide where at least he can carry some games where close is banned out or mm-hmm. double if is banned out, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we didn't really see that from Bjergsen. Um, and he kind of, again, I think the criticism for, his, for him was that, oh, he just farms or he doesn't really roam. He doesn't have the impact as a mid laner as other mid lanes do. Yeah. Like if you think about Jojo Pune, yeah, Gori, they're all impactful because they they try to do something around the map where it helps the team when they're behind. And we just didn't see that from from Birk. So even though Closer was banned out, Birkson could have lifted the the champion pool and and played some pocket picks other than Zillion. Um <laughs> I wanted to see some some Akali. Like his Akali was really good back in the day. Um and there was actually one game where it was TSM versus, I think, DL was on Team Liquid or CLG. I think it was Team Liquid. And Double Lift really called him boosted before the game started. And then what Bjergsen did was he auto-picked, uh, first uh, first picked uh, Akali and then carried the entire game. Um, so we just didn't see that from, from Double Lift. So I think our champion pool was kind of limited. Um which kind of absolutely hurt us in the end because the playoff teams were like, okay, yeah, we could just ban closer out, ban the one recon, 
support for uh, our boy uh, Busio because he was absolutely cracked on Rakan before playoffs. He, I think he got Rakan every game in our 7-0 streak. Or almost every no, game. I don't. I don't think that's the case. Um, he I played it one, two, three. He nine. played four out of seven times during the streak. Yeah, I mean that's still a lot. Yeah, he played it a lot, and he was no. great at it for sure. So um, okay, yeah. let's break this down a bit. So <clears throat> starting with closer, you talk about closer, um, champ pool woes. Here's here's what I'll say. Um, every like virtually every jungler pick especially during playoffs has been a carry right it's like right. there is like even sejuani went away you know mm-hmm. like <clears throat> i th- i don't know what like sejuani was super popular to play for a while and actually during our seven game win streak i think we beat it five out of seven games i mean we won all the seven games right but it was played against us five of those times um mm-hmm. And we just didn't see it since then. Like, if we're looking across the table at what was played against it, I mean, we already went through uh, what closer played. Um, Xin Zhao, Xin Zhao, Wukong, Wukong, Vi, Viego, Vi, Wukong. So those are all more carry style um, junglers. Uh, then we, on the other side, played against us, and I'm specifically talking about playoffs, Wukong, Wukong, Maokai, Vi, Wukong, Zinjiao, Wukong, Maokai. So a couple of Maokai games, which we both lost, but every, everything else, just very carry-oriented jungling. Um, so I think it's just kind of the meta, right? Yeah, and, maybe. And there were enough options on the table that even though, you know, we would, Lee Sin was banned out literally every game, um, and Viego was banned out almost every game, we, you know, there were still, like, some options to play. So I don't think you're wrong though. I still don't think you're wrong about right. like the kind of champs closer plays because of the supportive ones don't tend to work as well yeah. for him, which, which contributes to the feeling of one dimensionality of hundred thieves. Well, yeah, that's, that's what, that was kind of where I was trying to go with. Um, even though closer will play some of those support junglers, we have Bjergsen, right? I mean, he yeah. has, he's, supposed to have some mid laner taking pick other than Zillion to really make an impact. Um Double Lift already said this in the Travis Gafford interview that it's kind of stupid to ban him or ban him out because he has a large champion pool. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mm-hmm. believe that because he was he was really our strongest point. Yeah. Uh some of the games. I think a lot of the games actually. Yeah, most um, of the games. <laughs> and, and uh even though Tenacity's a rookie, you can have him on a carry if you really wanted to and kind of experiment with it, which I didn't really see. He was kind of put on tank duty, which again, I think it's goes back to your point about, about the meta. Yeah. The meta is kind of like, Oh yeah, have a tank top, have him or have the tank kind of just pull through most of the weight, uh, or the ganks there. Then have your mid lane or bot lane really carry the game. Um, yeah, I think, uh, again, you said it one dimensional drafts. So that's why I'm saying our champ pool was not really that good. Yeah. On on tenacity in particular, um, that guy played like everything for the first half of the split. You know, he played tanks, he played carries, and he actually had the worst success on the carries um, during that stretch. And when they put yeah. him on Gragas and Scion, that's when we started winning all the time. So, yeah. and he played he played virtually nothing but that. You know, for the rest of the split, and like. 
it is interesting because you figure as a, as a split goes on, the rookie gets better. So it's mm-hmm. like, and, and we saw that. We saw Busio and Tenassi both playing better and better. And then it's your job, if you're running the team, to figure out how much of that is due to um, him learning how to play and how much of that is due to the meta and the champions he's playing specifically. Because it's like, okay, well, we're winning with him on the tanks, but we don't know specifically how much of that is because he's on tank. What happens if we pull out the Fiora now? And we never, we never really got to see that. He did play, have a Cassante game against Golden Guardians that first game, which we won. But, uh, I mean, there, there was one good Cassante play I remember. But other than that, I don't remember seeing the same kind of impact that we've seen some other Cassante players have. You know, So I don't think he got much of a shot in his second part of the split to show anything. But I, honestly, it's like, and that is problematic because it makes us easier to plan for. But at the same time, I'm not sure I disagree with what they ended up doing with him. Now, Bjergsen, that, that is a little different. Like, I agree with you. He's supposed to have, like, tons and tons of picks, right? And he mm-hmm. wasn't, let me see, I don't think he was picking up that many um, bands in his direction. I mean, they banned out, pro- you know, one or two per match against him, which mm-hmm. isn't nothing, you know, but um, we actually banned Akali in how many games? Three games during the playoffs. Um and you know he right. no no one I don't think anyone banded out against him. Yeah, that's correct. No one banded out against him, so that was on the table. Um, I don't know. We he he did play a variety of stuff. Like we got through the end of the year, we got Zillion, Lissandra, Oriana, Ari, Victor, Annie, and Talia. That's a pretty nice spread. But at the same time, to your point, didn't get a whole lot of great results. Uh, from him specifically. Right. So, yep. and and then, you know, who was it? Was it the Golden Guardians coach who was just straight up like, yeah, you don't have to plan anything else against Hunter Thieves. You know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was also evident in Nuke Duck's interview, I think, mm-hmm. second game. He, he was like, he was pretty... Yeah, he, he, he admitted obvious. it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, was like kind of obvious that he's kind of just say, yo, let's, let's ball out, play whatever you got. If we win, if we win, if we don't, I mean, we know it's a problem. So yeah, um, I think they knew, and I think it was a kind, of, it was kind of a big reach for us to get any of the games against like the top two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did expect us to kind of show something, uh, for the Golden Gardens game, but we just didn't see that. So. Yeah. Um, when you compare closer to like Blabber. I think like I'm, I am one, I, it's like, I don't deny Blabber's very good jungler. Right. And he's obviously got the respect of all the players and analysts and everything. So who am I? But I've never like really been like, oh man, look how special Blabber is. It just seems like he can play everything. You know well, what I mean? That's and, where, that's where I'm like, kind of, I kind of criticize closer. Mm-hmm. He's like, Blabber has a, some pocket piece of his own. Like one of them is Nocturne. Like Nocturne is a really oppressive jungler if you can get ahead. Yeah. Um, I just don't see that creativity from closer all the time. No. Yeah. Uh, I don't no. think we so, see much of that at all. And it's interesting so that's because where, one of the champions Blabber has been super effective on is Elise. And that has been a virtual perma ban for us. Um, I went through this on the last podcast. It was something like 15 out of 17 games we banned Elise. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And this in these playoffs, it was our first ban every 
game. It was kind of like last year where we banned out Sedge all the time because we just didn't know how to play Sedge. Yeah. Or play against Sedge. So Yeah. So that's yeah, interesting. I think, like I, imagine I think, if Closer could play that pick. Exactly. Like I, I think Closer's a great jungler. He mm-hmm. definitely has a talent. But I think a lot of one-dimensional characters come into our drafts because of what he can play and what a team can play around him. So yeah. Uh that's why I'm saying the champion pool is not really good. Yep. Uh it's kind of tragic. It is kind of tragic. Yeah. Okay, let's do um let's do a very quick version of the 70 fluke and we'll leave it at that. And then Jarrett, you're going to be up next. So if you're listening, I see you in uh, the waiting room, but get prepared, sir. Yeah, I think the 7 7 of uh the 70 the 70 win streak we had um I think that four games of Rakan just should not be happening. <laughs> so, because like if if you're if you're a good team or you're thinking correctly, if you see that hundred these on the surge, you see Busio on Rakan, and he's like the most effective, you know, person in those games because like Busio had a a game or game winning or game impact full play almost every single one of those games, right? Yeah, as Rakan. Both against so EG for sure. Those two yeah. games, yeah. If you, so if you see him popping off on Rakan, just ban it. Like, what what are they doing? Um, and then I think closer had Wukong or Viego. I think either almost every one of those games as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he played Leeson um, in the first win during the streak, but then he just alternated Viego and Wukong. Yeah, so like that, that's where people caught on in playoffs, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why I think 7 0 was kind of a fluke. Because we just weren't getting the bans correctly, and that's and then DL kind of said, "Why are you banning me out? Ban everyone else out." And that's exactly what everyone did. <laughs> uh, and look what they got them. So uh, maybe uh, maybe Dolder should just stop yapping. Maybe that's the take. <laughs> stop giving away the the secret yeah, sauce. Stop giving strats away. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I I do I think it was a good timing thing um, that happened to us, but it also seemed like I mean especially I I still point to this jungler thing like people playing supportive junglers just started to lose during that time, you know, right. and, and we were, you know, we were playing Wukong especially, man, has been devastating. I think I kind of personally rate that as the highest impact jungler right now. Um, mm-hmm. Well, by far. And him and then, and Viego is elevated by the way closer plays it. So it's a good pick in and of itself. And then when closer plays it, it's, you know, the, in the hands of the master. Right. So. All right. Well, Sen, thank yep. you for calling in, man. Appreciate you. No problem. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful night and enjoy the rest of the conversation. We're going to build off of um, some of what you said with some of the topics going forward, okay? Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. You too, bud. All right. <clears throat> so in that case, we're going to invite on our next caller, which will be Jarrett. And then I think we'll go to either Shinock or BC trying to keep track of uh, time zones here and be gentle to people. So be ready guys. But uh, right now we have Jarrett. Jarrett, how's it going, man? Good. How about you? Other than, other than the loss this weekend, I'm doing okay. Yeah. In fact, look at the, you guys see this, the, the chat GPT bot is working. Look at it. Updating my stream overlay. Like this is crazy. This is crazy. Perfect. Let's go. All right, Jarrett, you had a, uh, you had quite a lengthy take. And I know that you've been uh, getting some some data to back it up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield the floor to you and let you do your thing for a couple minutes. Then we'll talk about it. 
Um, so just kind of looking kind of as a, a roster wide thing is that we only used one import slot. And when you really look at the top teams who are still in the tournament being FlyQuest, Evil Geniuses, Cloud9, and Golden Guardians, all of them have both used their import slots, mm-hmm. both of them. Um, and I think that was actually something that really brought us down just because you're not using what's available to you to your highest ability. And like, I get that there were money struggles and stuff, mm-hmm. which is why you kind of went for this double veteran style with up and comers who you've had in your system for a while now. But um, I also think that like, you also could have gone to possibly like the LCK challengers scene, which is one of the things that I was really looking into. Mm-hmm. Because we've already seen a player who has success straight from that pipeline in Berserker. And he is probably one of the best ADCs, if not the best. And just kind of looking through all of that, you can see that there are really like five teams that popped out. And obviously it's going to be the top five in the challengers scene. Mm-hmm. But you you see these players who are having... 65% kill participation, 70% kill to participation with over 4 KDAs and that type of those type of players with so like I'm looking right now I'm kind of looking at Gen G's team who I believe is first right now and let's just kind of say like okay maybe Bjergsen we could have brought in somebody else instead of him and just kind of looking there you see Quid is their mid laner and he has a 4 KDA 65.2 kill to pers- participation 28.7 damage percent per game but he also has almost 10 plus different champions that he's played so then you don't really have to kind of going off of that what sun was talking about you really don't have to worry about flexibility there now i know he was saying that beer wasn't really an issue in terms of flexibility and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. or he would go to some trusted picks and such but it's just kind of looking at where like i feel like during the off season, we might have not looked at all of our options and kind of said, okay, we only wanted to get players who are in the top divisions. Yeah. Where we're not really going to the proven scouting grounds and yeah. such. And I was kind of mainly focusing on the LCK. Right. Just because we have past experience working with Korean speakers. Yeah. Where we would then have the infrastructure to accommodate them know how to help them in that stuff because we've had players like bearing someday and that and ryu and players like that so we know how to accommodate for players like that mm-hmm. but you kind of just scroll through and go through different pages and you see all these players with these great stats and plenty of flexibility and it's not like oh they're playing very well but they're pigeonholed into five champs or something like that where you are able to work with that player to find a perfected play style. And that kind of goes into like the next thing that I was kind of going with is the fact that since we had those two veterans with one of them kind of taking up that um, import slot in a sense, um, they really kind of stuck to what's worked with them. And I've seen many things of how like it was almost like a, player ran draft and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. nuke duck said as much. where yeah um where they kind of just fell back on old reliable in a sense yeah 
where nowadays you can't really do that. You have to be flexible to everything that's going to come your way. And it's not just, I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, can we, yeah. can we back up a bit? So the first part of your take about, um, you know, what we, what other talents could we have unearthed, especially in the import market? Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you take it, you take a look at a team like fly uh, FlyQuest, right? Um, mm-hmm. the composition of them, if you go through that or you've got like maybe, you know, we'll call him in that ultimate veteran tier impact, uh, yeah. up there, you've got speaker, which is one of the most celebrated junglers at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, you wouldn't call speak a veteran in the same sense that you'd call impact veteran, but at the same time, speaker's experienced and successful ha- firmly with his feet on the ground. Then you have yes. uh, Vikla and Prince, who are your two import slots. Yep. And then you uh, started off with Winsome and then eventually got Isla in there. Isla, despite being relatively new on the starting LCS stage, is not an unknown quantity, right? Yeah. So this is a team that had a hugely successful season so far, and uh, their makeup with their... Uh, imports and what they're trying to achieve is just different than us, you know? Yep. Um, we, on the other hand, have two rookies that were basically committed to developing. Yep. Um, I know, like, Sniper's kind of in the pipeline or whatever, but you know, you know the team wants to develop and pump up tenacity as much as possible, and Busio was extremely highly rated, and somebody that the team feels like they can commit to long-term. So you got those two rookies and you think of what do those rookies need? And immediately you're like, okay, veteran presence. Let's have someone here who can teach them what it's like to be a pro and how they need to practice, how they need to live, um, get them through different game scenarios and everything. And the double lift and Bjergsen thing kind of just like, it sounds like it kind of just fell into the laps of these other teams where suddenly we could get players like that at a discount. Right. And then yeah. you have closer who is also a veteran, but more recent, more like in his prime, so to speak. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think like from that perspective, if you, if you like, where are you putting in the Korean import and how, like, how is that going to throw off your other objectives? You know what I mean? Like, like if you're going to import a specific position on this team, given the rest of the roster, where are you going to stick them and what are you like, how are you going to account for the presence of what would not just be a rookie, but an import rookie too? Um, so I kind of agree with uh, BC here where you would go mid where kind of like what um, FlyQuest was looking for. And they said in this very, their roster announcement video is that they were looking for this extremely strong mid jungle presence we had one of those pieces mm-hmm. where we would just need that secondary piece. And I think you had enough veteranship if you were to just get double lift, because as you were saying, you already have closer who is pretty veteran overall, obviously not Bjergsen or double lift status, but yeah. he knows around the league and all that stuff. Right. Where. And he's a leader. I think. Yeah, that's that's I think that's another big thing with closer is that he is a very good leader mm-hmm. and that he does. Uh, at least I didn't do as many of the listen ins and stuff. Listen, or watch those videos yeah. or anything. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure he is a pretty decent uh, 
shot caller. Yeah, and communicator. Where, yes, definitely vocal. <laughs> yeah, where you don't really need to worry about finding a player in this academy system to be that, where you can look for this mechanical god, in a sense, right. who is young enough to be able to be kind of almost like shaped in a way that you want to fit mm-hmm. and willing to be able to do that. But if something stops working, it's not so impressed on them or like pressed down on their Yeah, you don't have to kill have the to old habits. Certain, yeah. Yeah. Where I think going for veterans was a great idea. I just think the amount was where the issue came up. Yeah. Where if it was one or the other, it would have been, I think it would have worked really well. Mm-hmm. But both in tangent is what kind of was the issue overall. Yeah. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. I don't, I don't entirely like disagree, but I do think there's something to the way that you need to assemble and make up a roster and what your objectives are. And I, despite, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think anything of what you're saying is like off base or anything like that at all. But um, I do have a hard time just seeing like the fitting that in and managing all of those objectives at once seems like a lot, right? Like it just seems like we've got a, a, a import rookie. We've got two other promising rookies that need our attention. They're not just filling a seat for a second. And, yeah. and you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a lot. And when you're talking about the makeup of a team, if you do want to win, I think it's going to require a little more focus in what you're trying to achieve. And, and because otherwise it might feel a little bit like you're throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what's going to stick. That's my, that's my only thing about it is I just, it just doesn't seem like having that many different objectives is the, is the best idea. So I hope that doesn't come off as too critical, but you know, no, it makes complete sense. Um, what were you saying? Uh, you were saying, talking about the, play style of the veterans and that kind of overtaking objectives with the young guys. Can you, um, can you say a little bit more about that? Um, I was more so thinking of it's kind of pigeonholing these younger players who they're not really exploring different play styles Mm -hmm. overall where they might not be able to find the play style that truly fits them to their greatest ability. So when you sign on these rookies, you're obviously looking to try to find that ceiling where if you have these two veterans who are kind of pressing their own opinions, their own play styles on to the team mm-hmm. and making them conform to that, you're not really able to find that ceiling. Yeah, I do. It, it does feel like I mentioned this in the last call. It does feel like they gave them some sort of window, um, but I just worry that they did it too early. You know, and and that's exactly now, what I was thinking. Now, with a lot more games under their belts, like it might be time to reassess and reevaluate. Which you know, and the split you always do anyway. So, yeah, and I mean, obviously, it makes sense why they kind of did kind of run with that playstyle so early because it was finding them success. Why would you not go with that? Yeah, but it's short-term success, not long-term. Where if you are bringing on rookies especially two of them and like overall that I feel like you're not looking for immediate success. You're looking for the long-term success Mm -hmm. and they immediately just kind of said, Oh, this was making us win. This is short-term success. Let's run with it. 
yeah. I, uh, hmm. I think that's, that's fair to say. Like, with the, there's something to be said about when you have an established veteran and they are imprinting their, like, you know, their style onto the young guys. It's like some of that may be desirable. Right. Like you, of course, don't want to force it too much and make them do one thing and not give them the options. And you pointed that out. But uh, I think part of the objective with um, Bjergsen, especially, like maybe not so much double F. I don't know. Double F seemed to be more of like a, hey, maybe this is going to be a good thing. Bjergsen seemed to be more just like, here's here's a, a, a good presence and a good like standard setter for the team, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I think when you put together teams like that, you want that imprint in certain ways on your players. But I agree if it's overdone, (laughs) you, you you might end up uh, putting player in the wrong mold. And then that with rookies, we've seen it before. If they don't have fairly immediate success, they kind of are screwed. They don't like, even if they're, they're objectively good players or improving players, if community sentiment is negative around them because of early performances, it's a really deep hole to try and dig out of. <coughs> Ryoma. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. <laughs> Love you, Tommy. Miss you, Tommy. <laughs> All right. Jarrett, thank yeah, you very totally much. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add before you run? No, not really. Thanks. All right, man. <laughs> thank you for calling. It's always good speaking with you. Yeah, same here. All right, you take care. You too. Bye. All right, I think we are going to try and get Shinock in here now, and then we'll go to BC. Um, so let's go ahead and bring him on. Now, Shinock has not given me an actual take. He said it's a surprise, so you guys get to find out with me. So let's do that here. Please welcome to the show the one, the only, David Shinock. Cole, my man, how we doing? I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. It's it was a sad weekend. It was a dark weekend, but it's not it's not the end of all things. You're telling me. Whenever so game five, I was trying to watch most of the series live, and then I had to meet the wife because we had plans, mm-hmm. and was just walking around New York City watching the last 15 minutes of that game, and it started raining. It was like the most depressing <laughs> like. It was like every teen angsty moment in the world. I was just like, oh, this, I'm just done with tonight. Yeah. You start hearing the music in the background and everything. Oh, yeah. Time to go down to uh, margaritas and try and ease the pain in any way that I can. (laughs) It was, uh, it was a bit of a throw, wasn't it? It, it hurt. But, you know, life will go on. Life will go on. Um, What, but what now? So you, you were calling in here after having such a, Sad, depressing experience over the weekend. <laughs> um, you're calling in with a surprise take. I'm ready this, for you to lay it on me. So this is a much broader question than this weekend. Oh, okay, all right. But with with the with the spring split done, with hundred talk wrapping up soon. <laughs> how how would you grade the five and a half years of hundred thieves LCS? from where it started Ah. to where it's at now at the end of the split. And how would GM Cole of hundred thieves plan for the next five years? 
Ooh, five-year plan, man. Jeez, didn't know I was job interviewing today. Well, if I have to do uh, if I have to do LRPs with uh, work right now, you have to do <laughs> bringing everybody into my pain. It's that time of year. Okay. Uh, so the first question: How would I grade the first five years? And I'm gonna, so after after this, by the way, I'll I'll let you answer this in your own version, and then we'll go back to the other question on the five years in the future. So honestly, like when you when you look at results based analysis. Under Thieves finished very well compared to other teams. There are, you know, a couple of teams, as you know, who tend to dominate the the history of the results. And those teams, you know, you would give that kind of like S tier rating to. Um, any anybody who's stacking multiple championships is pretty impressive. Um, but coming in as a new org without the advantages of some of the more established teams that, you know, had that history and continued that history uh, and being able to, you know, make finals in your first ever split. Uh, you eventually won a title. You made it to three finals in a row. Like that to me is extremely impressive. And like you're like the, and the way they did it under these built their own path to it as well right? They weren't just like following some other bl- blueprint. So um, the, there were negatives. It's not like there weren't any negatives along the way, right? We all remember, uh, you know, Jarrett brought up the, the bang roster move and how much excitement was around that only for it to be devastating really to the team. And uh, subsequent years were not easy to get through. Um, but the rebuild that uh, Papa Smithy put together took basically a year, right? <laughs> and that is, uh, that is extremely good. So there's something to be said for the, the overcoming of adversity and making it back that, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to do that than to just stay at the top. Right. So True. I still rate, I would probably say I would still give it like an a minus, I think. Still have still have it in that like upper tier. I still think we accomplished a ton and did it in our own way. And yeah, we didn't stack like four titles in a row or anything like that. And we only we only ended up getting one. But I'll say I'll say finals. Yeah, yeah, four finals. I'll I'll say the the phrase that Jordan and I have long established on this show, at least we're not immortals. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, at least at least you're not optic. At least you're still. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Because weren't you an optic guy before this? Uh, before yeah. So yeah. I was an, I was a a diehard optic fan through for our entirety in the LCS, and then it wasn't until after, unfortunately, we gave way to Immortals that yeah, I I was forced to go elsewhere. But luckily, you guys have been a very gracious home during my time here. Good, good. Yeah, Hundred Thieves has been a fun ride. So where where are you putting us then? Where are you giving us uh what kind of grade are we getting? I would personally during that five year stretch put it as believe it or not, a an A plus. Nice. I the only org that I think the only two orgs that I think come close are Cloud9 and Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else is in the same ball field over the same course of time. Yeah. And TL as much as people want to praise them for the championships won, 
when you look at the fan base that they built over the course of that time where they had the legacy roster, mm-hmm. there's there's not as much to show for it. There is a lot elsewhere in the brand, but not within the League of Legends fandom. You would think after winning four titles, you would have a fan base that rivals TSM yep. or Cloud9 that when you step into an arena, it's just going to be a sea of liquid fans. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And that to me is very damning against brand impression and brand perseverance over time. And I don't think recent years have helped that either. Yeah. Yeah. The, under, t- the timing the, of it's interesting, right? Cause if they would have done it, you know, uh, a few years sooner, yeah, who knows? Maybe they would have been able to own the space as much as those other guys. Like there's something to be said for the kind of first mover advantage, you know, and they yeah. like, you're right. Like they're despite, being very good and having some of the most treasured players, uh, they they didn't convert that into a lot of raw, like, I'm a Team Liquid fan forever kind of people. Um, it, they kind of just continue to go where the players go, and that's always been a challenge for orgs. Yeah, the only org that has been immune to that, for the most part, is Cloud9, and the reason why I would mm-hmm. put them up in number easily up there with 100 Thieves. They have, they're the only brand that despite the ebbs and flows of their teams, granted they've remained mostly towards the top over the last five years, has just, you know when you walk into an arena, it's going to be full of Cloud9 fans. Their jerseys are going to sell out first before anybody else, barring 100 Thieves, that they have very limited supply. And it you just have that camaraderie that you only, you quite frankly don't see in the US and esports all that often. Yeah. I did. Uh, I totally agree with that. I did also see, um, <coughs> excuse me, a comment from uh, BC in our chat who mentioned seeing a lot of 100T apparel at live events. And I do think that that's a pretty good indication. You know what I mean? Because there's on the one hand, it's like when you, when you wear the 100T apparel, especially like the stuff that's a little bit older, um, yep. it's kind of like, you know, status within gaming, you know, as, as much as that's really possible. And there, so that's cool in and of itself. But when you go to a live event and you're wearing the team stuff, that's different, right? Because this is not just, I like these clothes or whatever, or I like gaming. This is like, I'm rooting for these people. And I, and th- I can tell you the, the number of apparel bits worn by people just in New York City at our watch parties here has grown. Yeah, Part of that because of Double Lift. But even over the last two years, it went from none to just me to three or four to now about 10 to 12. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. And I, I appreciate that you share like a similar sentiment to me. I mean, obviously you ranked them a bit higher than I did over the, the body of work, but I think a lot of people are eager to take a dump on, <laughs> on a team when they're down and they overlook just how difficult the task has been, um, to go from, you know, hoodie org to champions. And, uh, and just have st- sustained success outside of that. And I, yeah, I think in general people underrate the job that's been done and I'm glad that you don't. Um, <clears throat> okay. So let's talk about the other question, which was the, the, what was it? A five-year plan you said? Yeah. What, what would you do starting now and building out to make sure, or to, to put us on that cloud nine status? What do we have to so. do? Cla- they reach that point. Cloud9 status world, is tough, man. <laughs> it, it'll, it, it's tough, especially in a world where realistically, you know, the LCS continues to kind of slip in viewership. Yeah. We're not gaining. We're, 
you're asking to grow in an environment that's shrinking, mm -hmm. which is incredibly difficult. Yeah. So how would you do it? Yeah, because it's you know there's there's not that like injection of new fan. The the pie is not getting bigger for everyone, right? Like if you've got a if you've got fresh audience, you can kind of fight over you know ownership of those fans. But when it's shrinking, everybody's desperately clinging on to to what's there, and it's not like you got unaffiliated people running around as just LCS fans right now. So yes, tough task. Um, a complicated like especially getting up. If you set the bar at like getting up to the C9 tier, that is, oh man, I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, here, here are a few thoughts. Number one is I think um, we've proven that certain players seem to have like a massive following and a massive audience that just goes with them, right? We saw what happened with Doublelift. We saw what happened with Bjergsen when they joined the team. Their fans show up. And like, you know, we, we may be down impressions for the org on like, you know, our content and the stuff that we do, but you look at double lift, double lift still does like 300,000 views on YouTube of his like game review videos, yep. you know, and like in his sleep, he's not, he's not even trying. Um, and so it's almost like it's almost like there's not going to be anyone who comes into the scene. That's going to have the same impact. I feel like, like in the next five years, who like who is going to come in as a player and build that big of an audience? You literally can't, you cannot it's, it's exactly possible. Exactly. So, um, I feel like there's going to be two objectives. And one is to maybe get some like content creation, people align together. Like you get some of these players as they go out, if you can align yourself with them in the right ways, I don't know if that's like directly like, Hey double, if you're going to be a hundred thieves content creator, or if that's more just like kind of like a mutual, um, arrangement where, you know, they, they are supportive of each other. I really don't know the answer, but one of the pillars is going to be finding a way to latch on to those who have that little bit of influence. If you truly want to get up to the tier C nine is now, the other side of that is the actual performance of the team, right? And I think the only way to, to do this in a sustainable way, especially with like the money situation is like through actually committing to one or two um, stars in the making. You know what I mean? And I don't want to use like the NA talent meme because I think like, I think in general that's cool. And I like when it happens, but, Usually, usually the teams that bring in the imports win. You know what I mean? So I feel like find, like say, maybe it's Busio, right? Maybe. I'll tell you right now it's <laughs> Nice. I, I'll let you make that case soon. Maybe it's Busio. I hope it is. Maybe it's even Sniper further down the road. Um, but one of these young guys is going to be kind of like a permanent fixture. And, and we have to have one of them on the team um, as like kind of like that foundational piece that represents the team face of the team kind of deal. Then we have to develop a, a system that brings in imports on like the right deals at the right time. I don't think what FlyQuest did this year is like 
going to be easy to replicate by anyone. Like it's, it's a mixture of luck and good scouting, but some kind of system needs to work multiple times for us uh, along the import front to do that. So NA, so NA cornerstone face of the franchise, we rotate through a couple sets of imports um, that we pull when they're young and get lucky. I think that's the only thing you can really do because because cloud nine man that is a that is a huge huge bar to clear all right so let why don't you make the case on busio being the next star and then tell me what else you you think is appropriate uh i'll give you a fun backstory though real quick before i do that uh did you know that blabber was nearly optics jungle i did not know that what <laughs> in twenty in twenty seventeen, back when there was scouting grounds and a draft, our coach at the time, Zabutin, uh, fresh out of France and the LEC or LFL, I believe at the time, was coaching the scouting scouting grounds team, and we had Blabber on our team, and I think we also had like Prismal and a few others that were pretty now common names, and. We had him, we're going to draft him, but apparently Cloud9 had already agreed to a pre-existing deal before that to get him oh, prior wow. to him going into scouting ground. So he was not, even though he played, he was always going to go to Cloud9. Wow. So there was a world where Optic could be, could have that, you know, cornerstone piece. Jeez, man. <laughs> that is a, that's an interesting alternate universe that we almost experienced. <laughs> Burnt Cooter, I see you in chat saying, thank God he dodged that bullet. Don't you dare slander Greenwall. <laughs> All right. Um, so Busio, bring, bring us to Busio. I, I honestly believe Busio is the, the American equivalent of Hillisong and is going to lead Ooh. us to the promised ground somewhere. Like His play style is just eerily similar. The way that he thinks about the game, the way that he speaks is just eerily similar in every regard. That I think if you get him a coach that allows him to play the style that he is going to be good at, that thinks about the game in a very cerebral way, but plays in a very loose fashion and put him on a team, whether that's with double lift or others in the future that will embrace that you're in for very good times. Yeah. Um, but even, Oh God. No, you finish your thought. I'll remember mine. I was just going to say piggybacking off the first part of it that you said, separate from Busio, separate from the players and winning or anything else like that. I don't think you have to win to grow your brand, but I don't think any LCS orgs at the current moment are growing their brand because they're still trying the same routes. I saw a few people in chat mentioning it about heist and other content series. And the unfortunate reality is that content is not going to be your way to do it anymore. Yeah. You're eating you're eating from an already existing pool of people that are either just going to shift towards you or it's, it's not going to be anything new. You're not developing new fans doing that. And granted, this is consistent with the philosophy that I've had for a long period of time, but I truly believe the only way you can do that is via activating in-person fans, whether that's watch parties, whether that's some other fashion that you know they can figure out on their side. You have to get people out and about and actively engage with the brand in a way that online viewership and online content just can't. I The solution that I always have is just in-person watch parties. It's a way to activate with the brand. Say you get a personality like Brooke or like Valkyrie or Courage to show up to one of these every other week. Not Courage. We don't need to lose. 
Yeah, well, yeah, true. <laughs> you, you get a whole you get a whole bunch of people that are used to going out to engaging with the brand that also leads to them possibly spending money on it and it's a fiscal yeah. way into it in the, on the backside of things. But you need to be able to get tangible value out of the brand for people beyond just online. And I think that's going to be a way to do it. Now, I don't know how much that will conflict with Riot being in LA for the LCS, but if I had my way, we'd be out of LA a little bit more often. Yeah. And 100 Thieves have a little bit more free reign to do it. But that's a hypothetical world that we obviously don't live in. Yeah. And that's also like the <laughs> obviously, eventually that conversation comes around to the idea of geolocation too, which is like so derided in the esports scene, despite it being so effective for the traditional sports scene. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, it's oh it's crazy. God, yeah. It's like I I used to think there was going to be a time where we were ready for that and that would happen, you know, and like maybe 2028 or something like that, but I I, just, I thought it was coming in 2021 to be honest. Yeah. Because I even even though I am not a fan of Overwatch and the game does nothing for me. It is impossible to not look at what the New York Excelsior did with their fan base from 2018 to 2020 and not just look at it like yeah, this is going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. They grew a fandom from nothing to filling out weekly events. They'd have a group that would go to karaoke. They'd have just so many different things going on. They'd have brunches. The fans would get together and do stuff on the weekends outside of League of Legends. It was incredible. It was unlike anything I've ever seen before in gaming. And that will come at some point in time, even if that's 10 years from now and it's yeah. not League of Legends. It will happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where even the the most influential sports leagues, you know, it took it took a long time. You know, it took decades before they had those moments where it really started to pop off. I think um, one of the the keys for people to experience who who maybe are not considering themselves esports fans, like in any sort of dedicated way, is when you see it live, it's just different. You know what I mean? And so. So being able to showcase what it feels like to be live to people other than those who may make their way to the LCS studio in LA, you know, <laughs> would be a big deal. I mean, what, one of the same 200 people that go every like, Yeah, every exactly. Year. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be necessary, but just with the, with you know, the, the current climate in the scene, it's a, it's, it's a tall task and it's not going to happen soon, but we can hope someday it will. Um, so you talked to us about Busio and some fan building stuff. Is there anything specifically roster wise other than, you know, anchoring to, to Busio um, that you'd recommend in your five-year plan? Not really. I think the roster is going to change a good bit. If I'm being completely honest, you think uh, it's going to change going into summer or for uh, not in the, uh, not in the summer In the summer. The only thing I really want to see is just a, a more well-developed coaching staff. Even if we're bringing them in on just minimal salary, just, anything to unlock our champ pools more because clearly we're limited. Yeah. And if our players can't unlock our champ pool further because we truly are just lacking the basic micro mechanics or the basic mechanics of lane and are just getting smashed in every way, then yeah, we do have to look at moving on from some people, but yeah. I'm not on the inside. I don't want to make any assumptions on who that would be. I feel like it's too soon for that. I just want to see coaching develop before we get to that point. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm a big systems believer. <laughs> That's why you're a Cloud9 fan, right? <laughs> uh, I saw that. I saw you take off that 100 Thieves hoodie on your TikTok. <laughs> you know what? I, I got a little bit of apparel from everybody so that I can make content. And at times it comes in handy. Yeah. Although somebody got pissed at me on Twitter for throwing the, the cream hoodie down. 
I was honestly, it was, was my first thought was like, that thing's going to get dirty. That was my first oh, thought. It, dude, it, it, if I took a close up picture, people would be ashamed. I will never, like, as much as I love the cream hoodie, I will never buy white or light colors ever again because I stained <laughs> the shit out of it so quickly. <laughs> I um, literally can't wear, if I'm going out, like, I can't wear that anymore. It's just bad. Yeah. It's, it, it gets pretty dirty, man. Um, one final thought, because uh, I was just, you know, I was just continuing to think about Busio and, um, Something that was interesting that Jordan observed was that um, the way Doublelift has kind of set Busio up in in his interviews and in content and stuff, he's been extremely supportive, right? Like it's from from the get go. Doublelift's like, I'm here. I wanted to play with someone like Busio, and he's very complimentary of him. Even when um, he does his VOD reviews and he like points out his mistakes, he's generally pretty supportive about it. Like, oh yeah, he knows better than that, you know, stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting because I'm not sure we've ever like, I mean, obviously my experience is limited, right? But it just feels like we have this guy setting up the young one for success, like act like it's an active effort from him to give Busio like the best possible chance for success with the fans, you know? And I think that is super cool and I hope it works. It's not like, like Busio, like he's got, he's got support behind him. No one's like, yeah, let's get Busio out of the league. So he's at least gotten over that the first split challenge of being a rookie. So if in summer he's able to have some some more breakout moments like on something maybe other than Rakan, uh he he could be in for a, a really great career and I sure hope he is. I agree with you and I hope so. Yeah. To respond, I I saw somebody in chat mention that uh they have the opposite take on like the cities and location things. Mm. I just want to make it clear there needs to be online brands that are bigger than just locations. And those will always exist in gaming because that's the current and existing model. I'm just saying when you have meccas like Houston, like Dallas, like New York City, like Atlanta, like LA, the way you connect with people here is different than how you connect with people that don't have access to those major metro areas. Yeah, And you have a, you have a lot of fans that are ripe for the taking. There's a reason why we can pack out MSG for 12 days straight at Worlds. And it's not just people traveling in like everybody assumed. We just have a large population here that genuinely loves League of Legends. And they're all ripe for the taking. Yeah. All right, Shonak, we're going to say goodbye. Um, <clears throat> thank you for, uh, well, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you for um, all of the content that you've been dedicated to making. Uh, I, yeah, I hope people understand how hard you're working. And, you know, we certainly see it and appreciate it and love it. And we want the best for you. And especially with, with us stepping out of the space after this split, man, we hope you can uh, continue to carry the hundred T torch, uh, as you have been. So we're really appreciative of you. We always wish you the best. Hey, I appreciate it. And as always, you have, you always have a spot. Welcome on any of the content (laughs) that I make. If you ever want to step in, I'm sure people will love to hear your voice more often. We'll be around. We won't be won't be gone totally. We'll be around. <laughs> Love to see it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, David. Have a good night, man. You too. What a guy. Uh, Sen says, David is the next, next Travis Gafford. Let's go. Let's go. New and improved. Uh, so now we're going to be moving on to the one, the only Joel. Let's get him in here. And welcome to the podcast for, I don't know, you've called in a couple times on this show before. Joel, say goodbye, say hello to all the people. Uh, that's crazy. I just got here. 
<laughs> so I'm kicking you out already. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Cole? How are you? You know, as as I said, I'm I'm getting through it. I'm still pretty bummed. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I was realizing because I did a vod. People probably know this that are in chat. I did a vod squad of the last two series, right? So one was with Jordan when we watched FlyQuest series on Thursday, and then I did a solo where we were watching on Saturday. And it just like it hit me really hard. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I just watched the last League of Legends that I'm going to be like, you know, quote covering, mm-hmm. and that was big, man. So I'm like more sad about the end of that, I think, than the actual result. Um, but we're working through it. We're getting through it. One of the things that helps is talking to you guys. So um, lay your take on me. What do you got tonight? <clears throat> so as with most things that I say, it's kind of like half joke half legit <laughs> you know what i'm saying um zoomer incapable of being serious i got it yeah yeah but i think so when i say blow it up i don't actually mean blow it up <laughs> but blow it up so uh, basically the experience the experiment to me failed right and like well wait, wait, i don't know if the, say, uh, say first i mean i get it but say first yeah what the experiment was so to me this roster is like the bridge roster, right? We're kind of, you know, we have Tenacity, Busio, those are our future. We have Doublelift and Bjergsen as kind of our, I would kind of put Closer more in the Tenacity bucket than the, the Boomer bucket. But then, yeah, we have Bjergsen and Doublelift as like our seasoned vets who would, you know, put their wisdom onto the rookies, kind of like yeah. take them to the next level. And then, you know, in two, three years or whatever, they can take off and then we get some new crazy mid laner and, and AD and, you know, happy ever after. Um, to me, I think it failed. I just think the way we play now. So, for example, I, to be honest, I didn't watch him much in Academy, but I know Busio was known for his very aggressive. I know he was like a Pike player. Like that was mm-hmm. one of his picks. Um and now we have um obviously you know you have to play stuff like Lulu to be good and pro, but yeah. I feel like for something like LCS, I feel like comfort is also something that's super important. So like why not put him on champions that he's good with? Like we saw him in the Blitzcrank, which I thought it looked like he had fun with, which he played pretty decently in. So instead of that, we have him on Lulu or on Thresh, so where he just like you know save Jinx or make sure Jinx doesn't die or get popped. Um, same thing with tenacity. I'm not too sure what his champion pool look like in in academy, but you know he's pretty much Gragas Scion with us on the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a run so of those like, champions for sure. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm just not sure how well this trend, the whole thing of like vets coaching up our, our rookies works in the league. I know that's a thing in like traditional sports, but I know mm-hmm. I just never see it really come to fruition in, in anything from for like esports related so I, like in my in my opinion i think we should just kind of like you know let's for fun the roster i think fun is an underrated aspect of these teams like i feel like people they try to be too strict to their their roles too strict to the meta you know i feel like if we have comfort in all our roles if we can get closer playing like his lee or whatever all the time not actually playing Lee, but like playing like he is playing Lee, like having fun, being aggressive. Everybody's kind of looks like they're all in the same wavelength. I feel like that does more for development to our rookies than just saying like, hey, 
you know, let's keep Double Lift alive. Let's let Bjerg play his thing, farm, and not lose. And then, yeah, I, I just feel like a lot of the writing's on the wall in terms of, you know, maybe Valorant is the favorite child at this point. Yeah, so I think that's totally why, true. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why not take a chance with, like, a bunch of, like, cause I, know, I know Jared brought it up earlier. Like, there's a bunch of guys in the Korean Challenger League. Like, let's, obviously, we need some kind of communication there. Like, there might be issues there, but, like, let's just have fun. Let's have, like, five dudes <laughs> who are, like, really hungry to, like, do something in, in league. Um, and let's see what, what that takes us. Because I feel like, yeah, Bjergsen, Doublelift, they're not winning us Worlds. They're barely, just getting a, they're barely getting us to Worlds in the first place. So I just feel like the whole passing wisdom on thing just doesn't work here. Do you think know. do you think I, it's I, because yeah. like esports players are like cocky zoomers? Like if you does, if you're sitting if you're playing games by yourself for most of your life and dominating people in them, there's the whole concept of like maybe you don't listen to anybody when you get you know, when you when you climb up. Do you think it's that or do you think there's another reason? I think it's partially that. I think Video game. So, in team sports, you know, you're playing as a team your entire time. In league, you're solo queuing until you get picked up. So, I I can see that angle too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's probably a culture thing. You know, I I would like somebody like Pop. Like I think what Papa brought and what Papa is doing at FlyQuest is a key ingredient we might be missing. Where, you know, you kind of need that overall kind of culture of hey, let's kind of like. We're a unit. We're not just like the double lift and Bjergsen show and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little bit of that, but I think your point, I, I, I can see your point too. I feel so, like, well, but maybe the yeah. idea then is like your culture comes from your like GM and your, <clears throat> you know, your team ops. And then your, yeah. you know, your coaching can be like a different style. Or I think, at least coaching your players. I think, yeah, I think coaches should just be like really, good cheerleaders um at least that's what ours was like we he even said like our players do all the drafts or whatever and like i don't know how much i mean i guess you can coach that's not exactly what he said to be fair he he said (laughs) he said it's it's a you know heavily influenced by players it's a collaborative thing or something like that yeah but i i really think that especially in league coaches should be more on the um soft skills i guess you know have a yeah. have a dude who or guy or girl who can really like you know get the five hyped to play i guess mm-hmm. but x's and o's i don't see x's and o's much in in the league side or most esports actually maybe a little bit of valorant because like you know you can take timeouts you're watching the game and stuff but and you can run plays yeah. a lot more you know it's yeah, not like you yeah. can't run plays in in um league i mean you clearly can and we've seen that a lot but yeah it's just it's a little different <clears throat> um so okay so <laughs> be that as it may uh when you like for fun the roster do you think of that doing that as in like i'm experimenting with whatever random players that we think might be fun or do you think like it's literally let's like choose players that like have more of a loose approach and have a more fun culture about them. Cause I would make the argument that that's kind of what CLG has been 
for the past couple of years, right? Is like they're good players and stuff, but a lot of the brand of CLG right now is like it's so fun to watch these guys play, right? Mm-hmm. So is is yeah. it more of that flavor? Like which flavor of for fun are you talking about? I think you build your I think you still build your roster responsibly, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um kinda, you know, pick players who would play well with each other, you know, don't pick a super passive solo laners and then I don't know. These pick things that synergize well, but I think in the for fun I mostly mean like, you know, if Busio's a Pike player, get him on champions like Pike or champions that are similar in, in playstyle. Uh tenacity, if he I don't know what he played in the academy, but like get him on champions that he's known for that he could like really pop off on. And I think that just builds the because again, you kind of go back to just the mental, like it builds their mental, it, it makes them kind of like more comfortable in the league. Then you can kind of get into the all right, you know, maybe it's a top lane tank meta, maybe you have to play Scion. But I feel like, you know, if you're a rookie anyway, if you're a team that's not expected to win at all. Like if you're not C nine or or FlyQuest this this split, I feel like you had a little bit more room to kind of, you know, build out your yeah, build out your you know your build your muscles a little bit. Um, so I think that would have been more. Overall, I think it comes from a more productive split for the two rookies would have been get them comfortable to play. I feel like they haven't really gone there yet. They're more on the keep. Double lift and Bjerg, not satisfied, but kind of play to their style, you know. I do think it's a tale of two seasons, though, right? Because like first half, it did feel loose. um, Sandwich was pointing out in chat, game one was a zero support, you know, and and tenacity played lots of different champions early on, and I don't know if that was a uh, a cost versus nuke duck kind of thing, or if it was just hey guys, now it's the second. Round robin, we got to start winning so that we can make playoffs. <laughs> you know, it's like there you have to balance that because honestly, like, is it more tragic to miss playoffs or like is it better to have the the guys get to play fun champs? You know what I mean? Like missing playoffs is pretty damaging brand wise, and and you have to keep in mind the fact that you have to recruit other players in the future to your team. So if you're not a winning program, that's harder to do you know and and yeah despite that not being like i don't think similar to that point you made earlier i don't think that's as important in esports as it is for like traditional sports at least right now um but at the same time it still matters i mean the way the players talked about being at 100 thieves i think was a positive people wanted to play for us you know which is probably why we're getting um star players or former star players, you know, players who have huge audiences at a discount, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, there's something to be said about that. I think like, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what we do in the off season, if we're going to keep the same roster. But I, I do think one of the things that we forgot to some extent along the way was like, you know, we thought this roster would be like fourth or fifth place. We didn't land that far away from it in the end. Um, but we never thought, <clears throat> oh yeah, this is going to be the roster that like wins it all. Like you were mentioning, you've got FlyQuest and C9 and kind of like everybody else. Yeah. So maybe it's just a long game angle for the summer, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I think, uh, how long do we have DL and, and Bjerg for? Uh, I'm assuming no. it was a two-year deal, but I don't actually know. I can look it up while you say something. Yeah, because... I don't know. I feel like I like tenacity and boot. Like I, I won't write them off yet. I think they're they're fun players. Um, but I just would like to see. I I just would like to see him kind of get in the groove. You know, I want to see tenacity have a pop off game or like if yeah. Lucio gets on Pike. And I'm when I say for fun, I don't really mean just like picking troll comps all the time and just mm-hmm. playing one tricks. I mostly mean just like play loose. Get him on a champ. Yeah, play loose. Kind of get him on champs where they can do more than just like you know shield the jinx or you know <laughs> die the be- or like die a scion and passive the use your passive type of thing yeah we saw um, earlier busio was very clearly like hey your job is to peel for double lift and that's it yeah <laughs> fair yeah, enough so like, um, i think yeah i was just gonna say to, just to to your original question um double lift is on one year bjergsen and double lift are both on one year so um so closer is at the end of this year uh, so Bjergsen and Doublelift and Busio. So all of those guys expire at the end of 2023. We have Tenacity through 2024 and Sniper through 2024. Just funny. Oh, I forgot about Sniper. Yeah, yeah. It's always our top. Our top always has like four people in the... Same story, man. In the backlog. Yeah. Same story as always. So, all right. <clears throat> Anything else before we go? Um... I don't know. I miss Nico. No, I'm playing. Oh, we got to kick uh, you out right away. <laughs> yeah, Good night, Joel. Thanks bad. for calling. My Thanks bad. for everything you said except the last thing. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Good All night, right, man. bud. Love you. Miss you already. Bye. See All right. <laughs> that means it is now time to bring in, I think, what's going to be our last caller probably, unless Bonzi changes his mind. Uh, BC, the one, the only BC. Welcome to the podcast for for maybe for the last time he's deafened he doesn't even know we're talking to him <laughs> someone get that man he said let's do it and now he okay cool he's back now bc welcome welcome hey. welcome I'm, I'm glad to be here so I can, pumped i can tell by how ready you were <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you for taking a break from whatever domestic activities were going on at your house. Uh, you've got to take, lay it on us. Yeah. So I was going to bring up closer um, and I still will, but y'all kind of touched on champ pool mm-hmm. issues earlier. Um, I think to add on to that is it's kind of scary for the roster that outside of double lift closer is our only carry option. Um, we tried beginning of the year with Tenacity on Fiora. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, Bjerg rather freeze the wave in mid than get off their yanks like his <laughs> mid laner. So He's the anti-Miski. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's pretty troubling to watch. Um, so that was like my, my take about Closer. I think looking at his history for 100 Thieves, he's always been clutch. He's always gotten us to the biggest moments. Yeah. Um, maybe he failed in a couple games, but consistency's a thing and you can't be hundred percent all the time. Can't get your champs every every game. Uh we need another consistent carry. Otherwise, summer is gonna look a lot of the same, in my opinion. Let's uh for the moment, 
let's uh, just focus on this one question. What do you think about the chant pool thing that we were talking about with closer where he plays these like active carries and he doesn't seem to play much of the supportive jungle style. Like, what do you make of that? I mean, he does. Um, when I looked at his champ pool, <laughs> he has Sejuana games. He has uh, Vi games. I think the only one that I really, Vi really is dislike like, Vi is, is like Poppy. an engaged playmaker, though. I don't, I don't know yeah, if I just call that support. I know it's like Vi is not going to like kill everyone, but yeah, and she can skirmish early. But towards the end of the game, she's pretty much alts the carry and try to kill him. Um, so I kind of put her in a support-ish role, but she can skirmish early and fight early. Same with Wukong. Except Wukong's a way better team fighter. Um, and I think he's fine on those picks. Even Zen, even though it didn't work out, we saw him last year play it, and he looked fine. Um, so there are champions that he can play, even if he doesn't get Lee or Viego. And he looks fine on them. I just think, even if he does get a lead for, like, bot lane, bank bot lane, gig top lane, get a 500-800 goal lead, he ends up having to go back and do the things he needs to do to get farm and kind of keep in the game, and then the rest falls apart. Um, yeah. Macro is another thing. He's probably one of the reasons we have bad macro, too, since he's a shot caller. Um, but between him and Bjerg making calls, you could, you could tell they're behind, and they're not fully in sync yet. I don't know if another split fixes that, but yeah, yeah. it's worse. So Campbell is not, and it's not something I like to focus on. And you always hear me say that I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to pick a draft too much. I think there's always a way to win if you're just a better team. Um, maybe one in ten bad drafts, so you know, maybe a little more. But I, I'm not a huge advocate of like saying, "Oh, this champ was just bad," or "This draft was just bad." It's like, well, if you're just better, you're gonna win. Yeah, I mean, so I think like overall, I have the same position about closers you do because. I definitely think he's been the heart and soul of the team at key times. We've seen him make monstrous plays and clutch moments. And um, I personally just like him. I just like his personality. I like the the way he plays. So I've got like a really high opinion of him in general, but I just can't shake the feeling of like, there are some champions that like, we just don't really get him to play or, you know, it's like it's it seems like a style thing where he's like, yeah, okay, you're, you're right. He did play some Sejuani games. He got a couple wins early on Sejuani, but I do, definitely don't think of him as a Sejuani player. We know that he refuses to play Elise for whatever reason, which is a pretty crazy pick. Yeah, it's a weird can, one. Can you picture him playing Kindred? Uh, no. Can you picture him playing? Let's see, what, what who else will we be looking at? He's got a good J four. Um, which we only saw once this year, by the way, we only saw one Jarvan and that was in a loss against CLG. So I would say like his, his second tier champions, he can play fine outside of Poppy. But once you get to tier three, like you're, uh, maybe one tricks before you are pro or something. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have those. His, his, his picks are Lee, Viego, Jarvan, mm-hmm. uh, Olaf, Olaf, he- whenever Olaf's really strong, he plays that. But yeah, he didn't see it this yeah. year. He do, he doesn't have a poppy, right? He, he doesn't yep. play like... Like, there's just a certain style that he doesn't really play, and that makes him, like, you know, not a Swiss Army Knife jungler. And I think, uh, like, the good import junglers, especially, like, tend to be these Swiss Army Knives that'll, like, play whatever. You know, like, I don't... Yeah. I, do you... I don't really think of him as a Graves player, either. Um, uh, um, 
Uh, he has played. I looked at Oracle's Elixir earlier. I, th- I think he's played it. Not a lot though. Yeah, There's I just a... I feel like I feel like whenever he he gets to like draft meetings or something, they're talking and they're scrimming. I feel like whenever he plays the support characters, um, it's probably an issue with other people getting a hit, and that's where yeah. it comes down to the end where they finally make decision. They're like, okay, we're not getting a hit unless you play this champion. Yeah. So I so overall, like, I love the guy. I'm glad he's on the team. And honestly, I want to keep him. Um, but I, I do concede that he does feel like a limited set of champions compared to, say, like the, the ideal jungler. Fair enough. Yep. <coughs> um, I, think he could, I think he could take his picks to the next level. But yeah, like there's some picks you're like, oh, I wish he could play this. Yeah, it would be really nice. Um, and they must have nerfed Diana to the ground because I don't think we saw that at all this year, and that was a, another yeah. great champion for him. Doesn't um, seem viable for him right now. So, and and you kind of think that he uh, he uh, is scapegoated? You said for like I the think rest this of the year team for sometimes? sure. Oh, from what I've seen and like comments and just threads and stuff like that, it's like, well, if only we had a jungler that could play more than two picks, and it's like, well. I don't think that's the whole the whole thing. I think <laughs> I think the team has some issues that uh, he he even if he plays Sejuani or support, like I don't think it would go that well. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, what about uh? Like, are you still a proponent then of keeping him? Like, you you don't want a roster change in that spot. Do you want any other roster changes? Old oh boy, for summer or for twenty twenty four. Uh, I was looking at summer, but um, I, I would have to be a hater to say make changes. Maybe mid. <laughs> um, I think Bur- Beard can could probably be replaced. Uh, if I had to pick one, just to get somebody more active, or maybe someone that's willing to just give up waves to to get other yeah. lanes ahead. Um, Tenacity's still rookie, even if I don't like some of the plays he makes or the macro mistakes. Like he's a rookie. And he's he, getting he better. Chance, yeah, he needs a chance to, to grow, even if he's not good at some things. Um, but I think if Derek leaves, so does Double Lift, and then Unforgiven has to come in, we can't import anymore. I think that might be how it would play out if we would make a change in mid. But I don't know. That's just my thoughts. It's been so interesting. I, I, don't think, I don't think we'd change anything. Yeah, it's been interesting. Jordan and I have talked about it on the pod, like what it's like to have Beerus in these days. And <clears throat> where it went from like, you know, we could, like, we had a kind of mercurial uh, situation with Abadaga where sometimes he was excellent and would take over, and then sometimes he'd have, like, pretty bad games. Um, with Bjergsen, we got, like, we never had to worry about losing hard in mid lane. Ever. But we so rarely saw anything positive come from it either, right? Yeah. So And, and, and the mistakes, like, you could say, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but, like, Sometimes you would see him get ahead. Like Talia games, he actually performed really well. But like this last one, mm-hmm. he uh, last series against Gold Guards, he he got up three or four kills, had a three hundred uh, bounty. Then he's pushing up against a Gwen under tower, has no vision on the jungler, and then he just gets killed. And that kind of starts the the snowball for them to kind of settle in and you know keep the game uh, in there, or maybe swing the game a little more towards them. So it's just stuff like that. It's like, you know, why are we making these mistakes? It's it seems yeah. silly. And and like the cloud hanging over all of this too is um, 
this idea at Red Alert Champions bringing it up. He's like talking about double if and Burger are worth keeping just for the image value is what he mm-hmm. said. Um, <clears throat> I think there's something to be said for that. Plus, like, okay, where's the replacement for Bjergsen and how much is it going to cost and do we have the budget for that? You know, those are all questions that we got to address. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, like, I think that's one of the things we forget is kind of the position we were in before this split where it seemed like we might really get stuck with a, <laughs> with a roster that's not even competitive at all. Um, and, oh, 100%. And the economics of the scene kind of like shook out in our favor in the end and we just kind of like lucked into having those guys. But at the same time, C9 and FlyQuest are just like, they escape to their own plane of existence. Yeah, and I think you, you remember John talking about this in the video, and you could say PR or whatever, but kind of like talking about championship windows. This is not what they claim to be a championship window. This is a rebuild. Um, so we have to put it all into perspective. It's like, this is a rebuild. This was not you know, in a lot of people's minds, uh, or maybe internally, hey, this is the year we're going to get a championship. Yeah. Um, that would be probably later on, whenever maybe they have the budget for it. So, right. Like, we talk about all this, and it's still like, well, we kind of <clears> expect <throat> him to be fourth or fifth. So, here <laughs> yeah. we are. Here we are. Right. Right where we expected. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, BC, thanks for calling in. You got anything else you want to say before you go? Nah, man. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been fun. The last time we talked. Oh, no. I'm sad. I appreciate it, though, man. (laughs) All right, cool. Thanks for calling in. We'll catch you later. And chat, we do have one more call, chat. (coughs) Coming in at the the last dark hour here is Archon. Let's uh, let's welcome Archon to the pod. Archon had uh, some kind of like, it seemed like you had a dissenting uh, view of what we were talking about on the pod. So I'll yield the floor to you and let you uh, lay it out for us. I just think that the the issue with 100 Thieves is always was going to be once they got double lift. Hold on. No problem. He's a popular Sorry, man. Sorry, that was my alarm. <laughs> All good. <laughs> but yeah, that, once you get double lift, it's always going to be like an, uh, a worse Uzi team. <laughs> which was always going to be 100 Thieves. And a Uzi team? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, you know, a team totally built around that one player, right? Um, totally dependent on that capacity to carry. Um, we saw that kind of like, you know, play out towards the end of the split. I mean, even in the beginning, it was clear. It's like, oh, double lift's actually like popping off, you know, first four games. He was, he's excellent. And then teams started giving him attention and, uh, we lost a bunch in a row before we figured out an adaptation to top that let us like kind of win some more team fights, basically <laughs> just like buy him by double if more space and time. And then by the time we got into playoffs, you know, they know exactly what we're doing and they've made an adaptation on, on that respect. So it's hard to argue with your position on this. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's like, and people kind of like flame and tenacity. I think tenacity is in like the worst position he could be with like a rock, like Bjergsen just holding you down. And then <laughs> the whole double lift image. Like if, if he, if he, I'm sorry, I was about to curse. I'm sorry. Thank you for <laughs> refraining. Up, yeah. <laughs> if he messes up in any way, I feel like he would be trashed. And the, and like, so <clears throat> that, that Fiora game showed that he does have hands 
it is really hard to like have the confidence with the hands yeah. when you know you cannot mess up at all. Yeah, talk about that FlyQuest game, right? If you're on for against FlyQuest where he almost kind of single-handedly carried it, right? Until yeah. it kind of fell apart. Um, <clears throat> the other and, thing about... And you instantly get relegated. It, it's like, <laughs> how can you have a player be confident in any way when you do, when he know he will get instantly relegated? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like uh, the you know that other aspect of it where you have General Sniper in the waiting room and a lot of people are like, well, that guy is going to be like the best NA top ever, right? So, right. so tenacity is in that you know an unenviable position where you know you just uh, you're kind of screwed if you do and screwed if you don't. Exactly. So they found two champions that Double F was okay with because it always stems from that. <laughs> and it was like, okay, let's just let him play one of those two because everyone's going to focus on me. And when people stop focusing on him. You pigeonhole everyone else all split, so they they have no practice. And Bjergsen is just a whole nother issue. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to tell you, um, how long have you been watching League? Uh, probably since season five, maybe. Okay, so that's longer than us. Um, <clears throat> we uh, when we first got Bjergsen, it was interesting to hear what people who had had Bjergsen on their team before and who had been around League of Legends a lot longer than us said, because a lot of them were like. You got you guys. This is gonna play out where, you know, you're 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 gonna think you're satisfied, and then all of a sudden you're gonna figure that you're gonna be at the end of the season wondering why you weren't able to get anything done in the playoffs. <laughs> like a lot of people called that out to me, and I was like, man, Bjergsen though. Like you know, I guess like we it, uh, mid lane has been such a weird position for hundred thieves for the entire story of the organization that <clears throat> having that name in that spot was like, no man, this is this is kind of as good as it gets. Um, but here you are at the end of the split being very right about the effect. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the TSM glory always came from the fact that, that there was no Jojo's in the league. There was like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, he can shine that way, but he was never going to be um, a caps in EU. It was like once caps came there, he was probably going to be what ninth best mid laner in EU. So, <laughs> So, like, when you have a person like JoJo, who's literally probably somewhere up there, he's definitely under caps, so he's not, like, the best in the West. But yeah. he's definitely around that tier. So he just he, he's just going to fall by the wayside as time goes on with that play style. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's the unfortunate bind that we're in. So um, would you would you make a change at that position going into summer then? Okay, I think Wonder Thieves can't do anything because yeah. if they just kick double lift off then it's just gonna be a whole lot of mess and you can't get rid of bjergsen without getting rid of double lift but if in a, in a good world i would say one that these need to go the flag cross route drop double lift drop bjergsen probably keep tenacity keep closer definitely and definitely busio i think busio was like low-key very good and i i'm an eg fan mm -hmm. and i i think busio could be somewhere around vulcan level yeah, Busio, like he he started out a little rough because it looked like <clears throat> he was playing a, a very simplistic set of instructions. And yes. as the split went on, he certainly developed and he had some really outstanding games. Some games he got credit for and some he did. So uh, exactly. I'm definitely with you on that piece of it. It's, it is funny, though, to suggest that we copy FlyQuest homework, um, given who the uh, the GM there is now. Though we, it has been clarified that uh, that that roster was uh, was already sort of you know the the brainchild of uh, was it Nick before 
before Papa came over there. So still, it's funny. Not going to lie. It's funny. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, I mean, he, he had a good idea. He was like, you know what? This is good. I'm not going to touch it. That right there is, <laughs> is a good mind. Like, yeah. No, knowing when not to touch is also a skill, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to go over before we say goodnight? Uh, no, that'll be all. It was fun. You know, it's actually sad to see you guys going because I, I think I think something like this was really cool. Even though, again, I'm an EG fan, <laughs> just seeing people enjoy their team like this was just something really nice to see. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's It's been a blast to do. Um, you guys, of course, you have the, the Live Evil pod to attach yourselves to, um, <laughs> to enjoy the EG fandom. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think like, I, you know, my personal opinion is that the scene like needs stuff like this really bad. And so it hurts that we're, you know, just in life, we're not able to continue doing it because of our other stuff going on. But, um, we, we know that there's people who will pick up the torch and run with it, but it it was awesome having you on, by the way, I think that's the first time you've ever called in, right? Yes. I've like messaged a lot on YouTube. Yeah. The first time I I had to, since I knew you guys were leaving, you guys were actually the first, uh, podcast ever seen like, because I used to be a one of these fans when they had Afro. Oh yeah, man. Gosh. I I love that guy, man. Miss him terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It is a lot of fun to have you on the show and close it out on a fun note. So, um, appreciate you. We'll let you go. We'll let you have a good night. (coughs) Thanks again for calling in. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. And everybody else, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of walk through (laughs) the feelings of what happened this weekend and kind of where we're going. (coughs) I also, wow. I'm, I don't know. I'm coughing so much all of a sudden. I apologize. I also, uh, really like the exercise of looking back at the last five years and the the next five years with, uh, Shinock. So lots of fun conversations and stuff. We appreciate it, especially while Jordan's gone. So tragic, so sad. Okay. So looking forward to this upcoming week, um, I haven't decided what we're going to do for Rec League again. Jordan is gone this week. I will be here to do something. I don't think it's going to be League of Legends. Um, Maybe we'll do like Rocket League or something kind of like slow-paced. Maybe we'll maybe we'll um, try and organize some Valorant. I don't know. We may do something kind of like a little out of the ordinary too, just to have some fun. But something will happen on Thursday night, so I'll be here. Put it in your schedule. Um, Fidel's cash flows. I'll answer your question really quick. Who asks? Are we stopping hundred talk or all streaming? So we are stopping streaming. Um, Jordan and I just are are personally and professionally getting like super busy (laughs) and we're no longer like able to give the proper attention and care and creativity to the, the stream. And plus we, you know, we're, we've hit five years that we've been doing this for. So we felt like that was a, that was a good run, a good round number two to close it out on. So, um, we will like not be totally gone. Like I'll still stream every now and then. So it's like, it's not like it's like a hundred percent gone. But any sort of schedule or regularity, I mean, it's probably going to be like three or four times a year that you see us pop on streams. Maybe we'll guess on a podcast here or there. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really fun to do this over the years, and it's really sad to say goodbye to you guys. Um, but we have we're going to have a regular two days a week schedule, and through the seventeenth of April, and <clears throat> the seventeenth of April, which is a Monday, we'll have like a cool send off pod where. 
Um, we'll stream for a long time that night. We'll watch old content, kind of just hang hang out and say goodbye. And then, uh, of course, we're, you know, I've gone over this in our Discord, but we're going to be spinning up a replacement Discord that won't be like modded or owned or operated by us, but it'll, you know, kind of be a place for everybody to migrate to so we can still stay in touch and um, play games and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird that it's winding down. I think we're three weeks left. Three weeks left. It's crazy, but it's it's been super fun. Um, so anyway, um, Rec League, something will happen Thursday night. Put it on your calendar. And then Jordan, I think he gets back on the Sunday before next Monday. He may be out of sorts because he's, you know, changing time zones and stuff. So I, I honestly don't know if he's going to be here the following Monday, but I will regardless. So we'll have something to do. Um, I don't know exactly what that is. And I may find some occasion to do some other things. Like I, I know we have our VCT match against Sentinels coming up. So maybe do a VOD squad of that. So, you know, stuff like that. I'll find ways to stream. want to do it as much as I can while, while we've still got time. So, um, all right. So everybody else who has been here, thank you guys for being in chat. Thank you to everyone who called in. Uh, we look forward to um, doing some, some more streams while we have the time. And until then, we will say, as we always do, we love you and we miss you already. Take care. All I ever have is one. Yeah. LA, LA, crazy. All I ever asked is one.